Getting the kind of sleep you want the most is the best reward you can give yourself after a long day at work. Not only does it give you a fresh start to your day, but it also boosts your confidence to make greatness happen. This is why you need Sleepacil, a non-addictive and over-the-counter sleep supplement made with natural ingredients such as melatonin, valerian root, and chamomile. Sleepacil is FDA-approved and is available nationwide in Mercury Drugstore, Watson's, Rose Pharmacy, South Star Drugstore, and Generica. You can also order it online through Zalora, Shopee, Lazada, and Watson's online. You can also visit their website on www.sleepacil.com and follow at Sleepacil on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can never go wrong with your finest sleep. Sleep safe and sound with Sleepacil. Podcast Network Asia. In your first few attempts, right? I've seen a lot of people who fail and, and sort of just stop there. I think that's the worst thing you could do. It's something that you learn and you practice over time and experience. Welcome to another episode of Misconceptions. Today, we are talking about a little bit of a different topic um, this afternoon. And I'm really excited to talk about this because a lot of people, especially the younger generations, are taking an interest in startups compared to older generations in the workforce. Many of them now either want to work in a startup or become a founder of their own. In this episode, we'll dive deeper into the startup scene here in the Philippines, what it's like to work in one, the misconceptions around it, and why it's a path that one should consider journeying in. So, of course, we need to hear from the experts. That's why we also invited experts on the startup space here in the Philippines. So first, um, I have the co-founder and CCO of Paymongo and also the partner at 335 Fund, Luisa. And joining him this afternoon is a growth product manager at Paymongo and a principal at 35 Fund, Wes De La Cruz. Hello, guys. Thanks, Mish, for having us. No problem. I mean, it's my honor to have both of you here, actually. You know, we see a lot of startups all over the world, and it's really rare to see popular ones here in the Philippines. And I hope that's about to change in the future. And I see a lot of the startups right now here in the Philippines really pushing um this industry forward and i don't know with our listeners but if you ask me about philippine startups i only think about two things that are really like i guess popular in my mind kumo or paymongo so i hope people here would also feel the same way when they listen to this podcast so i guess just to start off how do you describe the current landscape of the startup scene in the philippines and you know what potential that you see here in the philippine startups compared to i guess the, the startups offshore Right. No, I think uh, the landscape in the Philippines, we're in a super exciting time. Um, and the way that the startup landscape looks right now is completely different from how it was two, three years ago, or even when we started uh, Paymongo, which was in 2019. All right. Um, just in the past couple of years, we've seen so many um, startups pop out with uh, investments from both foreign and local uh, investors, um, there's definitely been much more interest um, um, in the local startup scene uh, due to many factors. And I think what's most exciting is that 
in, in terms of the entrepreneurs that we're seeing, uh, like you said, Kumu is one example. We're seeing a lot of talented people uh, starting and setting up shop in the Philippines as well. So it's pretty early stage, I'd say. Um, but I think where we are right now in 2021 is a clear inflection point um, where things will change rapidly over the next 10 years. And I really think that over the next five to 10 years, uh, the startup scene will, will mature exponentially um, like it hasn't for like like we haven't seen before compared to um, five or ten years ago where we it was really like a nascent industry right so exciting times definitely yeah I agree and I'm not sure how different was it like with the pandemic coming in because just to be honest with you a, a lot of my knowledge about the Philippine startups here was opened up because I started joining Clubhouse and then I started lis- listening uh, to all yeah. these um sessions right so i like what i said i heard of kumu and paymongo but like for example for 335 fund and also the other startups here in the philippines a lot of them i got to know just because i i started joining those sessions so was it like really affected by a pandemic how how different was it yeah no i'd say like uh i started um uh getting more involved in startups you know way back in in 2013 um 2014 and at the time you know, you could barely count the number of startups that had um, some sort of international funding, right? Um, at the time, uh, there was Caliber who uh, got into Y Combinator, um, and 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 you know they really set the tone uh, at the time. But aside from them, um, there wasn't really much activity in in the local startup ecosystem. Um, compare that to today. Um, since 2019, um, for Y Combinator, to those who, who are not familiar with it, it's an accelerator that, that PayMongo also went through. Um, you know, there's been uh, how many West? Like maybe like four or five who have yeah. already uh, I, I think made the program. Four or five, five, roughly yeah. five Philippine five startups. Already have, yeah, five Philippine startups have already made that program uh, in just such a short span of time, right? So it's exponential how things have changed. And with, with regards to like, uh, the pandemic, uh, definitely, I think it plays a factor. Um, you know, back in 2013, 2014, uh, I think it, you could say that it was really hard to raise funds at the time. Um, there was very uh, limited resource in terms of venture capitalists who were willing to invest in Philippine startups. Um, but what we're seeing now firsthand is that there's capital flowing from everywhere because they definitely see the Philippines as a really fast growing market. Um, and that's the reason why, you know, Baymongo has had some success in, in raising funds is because that the Philippines is definitely on the map when it comes to the startups now. Um, people have shifted uh, to going online. They're used to shopping online. Um, and, and a lot of other services are going to follow going online and, and, uh, as well, right? So, um, yeah, it, it, it definitely uh, is it's very different than... I can definitely say that the, 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 the pandemic sort of accelerated that shift um, and, and, and made other uh, uh, venture capitalists uh, and, and founders interested to, to invest in the Philippines and, and to start companies here. Yeah, that's really exciting to hear. You know, one day I'm excited to see all these Philippine startups out there because just to share back when I was in college, when I hear about startup, I'm just familiar about the usual, the Grab, the Ubers, right? but those aren't originated from, from the Philippines. Those are like the popular ones abroad. And I really hope mm. one day we see more of the Philippine startup um, Hopefully. grow yeah. in the future. Yeah, That's our goal. <laughs> exactly. 
So before we move on to like, you know, how is it like to work for a startup? And I would ask Wes that later. For for Luis again, like what made you decide to put up your own startup? I know you started really, really early on. If I'm not mistaken, high school or is it college that you started going through this route? Because if I think about it, when I was like um, in high school or in college, I was dead set into the traditional route, meaning I go to school after I, after I graduate, I look for a job in any of the big corporates, right? Or any of those FMCGs or the big, big banking industries or wherever, but not really a startup. So maybe if you could just like quickly walk us through on how was that journey like and why did you venture into it? Sure. I mean, you know, like, uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that I think from an early age, I knew that uh, I was really interested to pursue entrepreneurship. I guess it's just something that really attracted me to the idea of, of, of uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, although I didn't really have a clear idea of what that was when I was starting out. So, you know, in grade school, just selling random stuff, but in high school, experimenting a bit more, like putting up a simple website, uh, selling cell phones. Um, and, you know, I experimented a bit more in college. Um, eventually, I, I started uh, a retail and distribution company, which after college, I uh, spent around four years running. Uh, and, and that was, I guess, like my first uh, legitimate uh, company that, that really grew. Um, but there was also a lot of luck involved there, right? I think, um, like I said a while ago, we live in extraordinary times. And, you know, if this was 10 years ago, uh, I definitely would not have an easy time like raising uh, capital. Um, so it's really just timing, right? Um, and I think uh, the opportunity is so big that it's open to many other uh, people who want to explore entrepreneurship, even for the first time. Like we were seeing a lot of entrepreneurs um, uh, start up their company and do it for the first time and, 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 and become successful companies, right? So. Uh, my, my journey was was really like a, a series of a lot of like failures and, and experimentation. I started different types of companies. And when it came to PayMongo, I guess it was just really um, a very big gap that we saw, like a glaring pain point that we saw in terms of how easy it was to accept payments online. Um, we saw that uh, problem and, you know, we decided um, being naive at the time, uh, hey, we should we should do something about this. Uh, this is something that 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 this is a real problem, right? So, um, it it was I guess like the journey was really exploring different facets of entrepreneurship, failing a lot of times, and eventually just really finding um, a pain point, um, a real problem that we thought we could solve, and and we just ran, uh, you know ran with it. So yeah, I totally agree. You know not to just like promote it in, in this episode. I really believe in the product. So I want to move on to, um, you know, talking about how is it like to work for a startup? And this is this question goes to Wes because I know you used to work for a large FMCG here in the country, right? So what made you switch at from that corporate job to working for a startup and how different are both of those settings? Right. Uh, I owe it a lot, actually, to having sufficient time to reflect about my career goals, um, starting with when, when the pandemic started. Right from the start, I guess back, to, back then in college, I've always wanted to be in the tech industry, and I never really imagined myself going into the startup route. I've always wanted to work at Apple, and not having any computer science background or a tech background, I felt like 
oh, I needed to find other way or different ways to get there. So I, I tried the FMCG route or the big company route so that I could have some sort of leverage and that I could use that as an entry point to join in these big tech companies. But then when the pandemic hit, I, I guess without letting go of the traffic and all the, all the travel time that I have to go through, I had sufficient time to really reflect about my goals. And when I got to think about it, uh, I realized that in the Philippines, um, um, I, I realized for myself that I've always wanted to work in Silicon Valley, where all the tech startups are, are based in, or the big ones, the big ones that you know. And having that thought in mind, I kind of just reflected a bit more and realized, why do I want so much? Why do I, why do I really want to move, move away from my country to work, for, to work in the US or work in Silicon Valley? And I realized that because I felt like there wasn't any option of that in here in the Philippines. And after that thought, I realized, okay, why don't I work towards making that available to here in the Philippines so that other people like me, maybe in the future, 20 years from now, wouldn't have to think about working at Silicon Valley in the US and could work one or work in the many startups in the, available in the Philippines. Um, yeah, so having that in mind, I, I started to explore my options and eventually stumbled upon Paymongo through a, through a batchmate that was working there and also moved from a corporate job, which is interesting. So I asked her uh, about her experience and uh, it, it, the, the idea of just being able to influence the company's direction very early on. I think um, just uh, just describe the, the differences between the two. And this is actually one of the biggest reasons why it was very attractive to me was that one, I realized the problems that the, the, the people working at startups we're trying to solve are somewhat very, very impactful or at least significantly impactful to the direction of the business or to the growth or the decline of the business. So uh, in a, put another way, um, regardless of your role in the company, if you don't do your job or if you don't do your job well, it really could impede the company's growth or could result in the company closing down the next day. As compared to my corporate job, my only worry is that my boss would get mad at me if I don't do my job. So it's it's a uh, it's I think it's really just uh by nature that corporate jo- uh, corporate uh big co- large corporations have more structures in place. So these these mistakes are much more protected. Um, there's not a lot of room. Uh, the the you can still make mistakes, but uh, the impact of it is minimized. As compared to a startup, um, if you make mistakes, it really could result to the company going down. But again. But in a different perspective, if you do well, then it could really result in the company succeeding 1,000 times or um, be, becoming eventually as we would aspire to be a unicorn. Um, and while in a corporate job would really just be, okay, if I do well, I get promoted. So that's kind of like how I would describe the experience and even the, 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 the worldview coming into these different two, two different um, workplaces. Yeah. It's nice that you put it in that perspective, no? Like it's not just about yourself. Because if you're in a, if you work in a larger corporation, you're right. Because I myself feel the same way. Like you're really just entitled to you know what you need to do for yourself and and for the team. And sometimes when you do have that mistake, you're only really scared about what your direct manager would think about you. But for a startup in particular, there's a bigger thing at stake, right? Because I guess you learn a lot. And you have that bigger accountability in working for a startup. One thing you mentioned, Wes, was um, 
you know, you, you always wanted to work for Apple and the, all these big tech companies. Um, maybe we could focus more on the qualities. Like what are common qualities found in startups that make them an attractive place to work for versus other companies? Right. Uh, I guess let me, I'll, want, I'll take this time to expound on a point that I made earlier about the decisions and the impact that you make. So one really is that when you join very early on or the earlier you join in a startup, the decisions that you make you can think of it as like in multiples. So like let's say the you join like one year within one year, within two years of the startup's um founding, your your decision, your the impact of your decisions could 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 be like a thousand fold. Um and later on, as you join a bit later on, you, the, the the multiples kind of a bit um uh, get diluted a bit just because again, like similar to corporations, structures are put into place. Um and um, reduces the risk that are reduces the risk for certain decisions. But then, uh, other than the impact, uh, it would also be the way you actually make those decisions. So that uh, with, when you would when you would how I would describe the difference would be in the startup. There's really not much um, bureaucracy that needs to be implemented when making certain decisions. I could just immediately like. Telegram message Louise, who is my, my manager, who is also the co-founder of Paymaldo. And I could just kind of like let him know that we will have to make these certain decisions and and boom, and then in the same day you make the decision and then you can move forward the decision. In comparison to like other companies, you I would imagine having certain lines of uh, approval wherein you would have several managers having to approve and having to sign off on these decisions. Um, I think that's what also makes Startups are really exciting place to work at because things really happen fast. Um, when you have, when you come up with an idea, you could actually go ahead and try to test it out and execute it. So, um, as compared to I guess other companies would put more restrictions into it. So yeah, those are some of the the two main qualities that I, I think I would recognize as making them attractive. Yeah, I like what you mentioned about bureaucracy. That is really the number one thing that is super hard to deal with every time you work in a larger company. I just want to flip the question to Louise this time. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know you've never really worked for all these corporate, right? It's, it's always been yeah, a startup never. ever since. So yeah. from your end, Daman, like, do you have any like regrets or do you feel like, you know, this is really the path for me. This is my calling. And if yes, you know, what kind of, startup culture or social culture that you want to build for for all the startups that you're working on right uh regrets i i would probably say none um but it, it was not an easy path definitely you know i think um even in in a short span of time i think the misconceptions or, or how people view becoming a founder have sort of changed you know like slowly as we've seen in silicon valley um, and in other countries, you know, it's, it's a widely accepted thing to do, even for young people and even out of college. But, you know, when I started doing it, I was, you know, it's sort of like a lonely path. No one else was doing it. Right. So it is very, it is very hard. Uh, it's very difficult um, to make certain decisions. Um, but uh, definitely can't say I, I regret it. It's been a, a really great uh, learning journey. Um, I think, um, if anything, uh, what really made me stick with that path of, of uh, becoming a founder or starting my own business is that I really saw it as a means of learning, right? It's sort of like an extension of school. Um, I, I was sort of secure with the fact that this is where I was learning the most, like the fastest. 
Um, and you know, that's what, that's what allowed me to stick with the course, uh, over, uh, over all of those years, you know, you know, even if a lot of external factors were telling me like, Hey, what are you doing? Type of thing. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that, that's, uh, how, how I see, uh, being a founder. And I guess on the second part of your question, like what type of culture, um, I think is ideal, um, to build in startups uh, as Wes mentioned, I think, especially in technology startups, you're really building a people-focused business where compared to a lot of these large corporations where a lot of your leverage um, is in uh, you know, your assets, here it's, your, it's really your people. People are your asset. And for you to be able to build a huge, successful, scalable business, you need to be able to trust people with decisions and you need to be able to and essentially just empower them to run the show, right? Um, so it involves a lot of trust. It involves a lot of getting the right people in the team. And you know, obviously, Wes is it's a great example of that. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's the culture uh, that we strive to have at Paymongo all the time. And that's why we attract some of some really great people is because, like Wes said, you know, a lot of these uh, the smartest people who come out of college, like Wes and and his teammates, they want to solve the the hardest problems. They want to solve. They want to be on top. They want to be making the decisions that actually have impact. And you know, for a lot of them, there really is no other best place to be but a startup because it is only in a startup where you're given that much power and autonomy to make a lot of these um, decisions that could make or break the company. You know, in other words, if you compare it to a corporation, if you leave the next day, then things go on, right? The world goes on. Um, it, it, it's really not the same in a startup, especially in the very early stages. You are really needed there. Um, and things will change if you do leave the company. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I hope that answered your question. Yes, definitely. And it really gives everything in a different perspective. Eh? Like for example, you know, of course, of course, I have a totally different background. And hearing how you guys talk about it really, like you know, makes me think. Nah, you're right because if you work for a startup, you are responsible for a much larger scale of like you know, decision making. You know, your decision is not just something you could just rely with to other with like rely on your boss, rely on other colleagues to make that decision for you because it's not available in a startup. You whatever you decide really has a big impact on the company and i guess for people who loves that kind of work this is where you really should be working for because i would think your learning curve would be really really steep but then it would be all worth it yep yep exactly yeah, yeah. you've touched on um misconceptions right on about startup i know there's a lot and for someone who doesn't work for one and hearing my friends like talk about it, usually I just hear like, oh, you just work for a startup because they pay really high or because there are a lot mm -hmm. of few people or so for on the flip side, some people say you, you are so overworked naman because you do all multiple tasks for for one person. Like you you act as um, let's say three different roles at the same time just because the company is small. Other misconception would be, you know, um, you don't know if it's gonna I guess if the company is going to last or not, there's a lot of different stories. Maybe we could just like debunk those misconceptions right now mm -hmm. about startups. This goes to both you and Wes. Sure. Um, I, think I, I think I could go first. I think the, the biggest misconception about working at a startup for me would be that it's risky. Um, we've seen a lot of talented folks that we've uh, 
we've interviewed and uh, really wanted to join, but maybe had external forces that you know that, that made them not end up joining the company because of this perceived risk. Um, but in in my point of view, um, joining a startup, especially at this most exciting time, is one of the least riskiest things a person could do. Why? Because like you said, Mish, um, you know, startups tend to pay a bit of a premium because they do need people. And, and for us in Paymongo, we want to be able to compensate people um, at the most fair possible way. Um, but also the ecosystem of startups is growing so fast that even if the startup that you join folds, you're, you'll always be in demand, right? Um, there are always huge companies that are, or, or com- startups that are starting up that are growing really fast that only hire from or prefer to hire from other startups because there is an, uh, a unique culture that people who have worked at startups understand, right? And to add to that, um, Paymongo for one, and a lot of new startups nowadays also give things like stock options that allow for, for huge upside in your employment, right? So um, when people talk to me about it being risky, I, I really think back at how um, in the early days, uh, so much wealth was created with with people joining the early companies uh, uh, in Silicon Valley, like the Facebooks and the Amazons of the world. And really it's just an inevitability that that will happen here in the Philippines as well. So both from a compensation level down to what impact you will make in your job, you being sort of happier in what you're doing, but also from an employability side, I think things have changed so rapidly now that even if you do join a startup, say you join Paymongo today, um, there will be, Tons of opportunities open to you uh, after that, right? So um, I think that's the number one misconception uh, that I have. Maybe Wes has some some more to share. Yeah, um, I think some somewhat related would be people's hesitations, or I guess coming from my friends who are hesitant to join startups would be one is that they feel like they don't have sufficient skills to 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 be of value to startups, and I feel like. They, they perceive startups to be this alien form of industry that no one knows about and like use terms or jargons that uh, no, no, no other people could understand. And it's just so hard to enter it. Uh, I realized when I joined the startup, the, I, this is my first startup job coming from a corporate job. I, I noticed that it wasn't just me who was just trying to figure out everything else. So it was really encouraging to see like even the people I got to work with in sales and marketing were also kind of like, discovering new things, really learning new ways to go about things. Sorry. I like how your dog is agreeing to you. Yeah, I think he's saying, he's saying yes. <laughs> he's saying, oh, yes, Wes, that's, that's correct. Let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, 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 one of the really cool things about, I guess, uh, working at a startup in relation to learning and skill building is that you work with people who also don't know the solutions, the problems, who don't have ready-made cookie-cutter answers to the problems that you face. So it's really going to stretch your brains, really going to force you to collaborate with people, ask people. And as Luis mentioned, more than just have be able, being able to find careers in other startups as well, it's also that you discover, like I, I'm sure you mentioned you've been you've joined the Clubhouse sessions and a lot of startup folks flocked in there too. And you would also find the same community on Twitter as well. And these these folks in startups, whether even if they work in different companies, there's that tendency to kind of be open to sharing learnings. Uh, I've, I've, I've learned from 70, so many other founders themselves, um, growth people, growth marketers, salespeople from other startups, not only in the Philippines, but also in other countries. And 
I think those are the doors that people not in startups are not able to see yet or not able to see clearly, which I'm fully able to enjoy. And it's such a, I, don't, I feel like it's, a, it's, un, it's unmatched, like the, the learning that you get, not just on the job, but also with the network that's opened up to you simply because you are part of a startup. So yeah. Well, I, I guess like just uh, on the misconception on, on it being like a, a super tedious or like super overworking thing, uh, it's not necessarily the case. Definitely not the case for us. Eh? It's it's like any other company that you will join, right? Um, each startup might have uh, their own nuances in terms of culture. Um, so you know, just look into the company and, and ask around uh, other employees how it is in, in in the certain company. Some some people like a certain culture versus the other, um, but it's it's all it's always depends on the company. And at the end of the day, you could you know there are many people who join corporate also who are way overworked as well. Except the difference is that you know like at least uh, you know <laughs> in a startup uh, you know you're able to make a lot of these like big decisions right so um i guess more of advice than a misconception but it, it also depends on when you're planning to join a startup um it's easy to look into the company talk to the folks who have joined it and then and look at the nuances of, of how things are done in, in in whatever startup you want to join yeah i just wanted to add a bit on what we said with like the overwork obviously i, I could speak for that um i i'd say that it doesn't really the, the, the amount of work that you do wouldn't really kind of there wouldn't be a standard for it across startups or even just companies in general but I'd say the main difference is the perspective towards why you work and how you do work so uh, the main difference would be at least for a startup you would be easily able to articulate why you're working this much or why, why you kind of have to work this much and you would often find yourself give, uh, with reasons that go beyond yourself so previously, I would I would think I'd have to work harder because I'd have to hit my target so that I could get promoted. That would be like my my next finish line. But in a startup, uh, I'm really kind of uh, I'm really kind of like um, I have the perspective of working hard or working as much as I want or as I as I need for the company, not because not so that I could get, just get promoted or for my personal advancement, but really to to see the the company through to to get them. To grow, to get them to really succeed, and uh, to fulfill the what the, the company is able to offer to its customers, to the problem that it solves. So, I, I feel like that is such a huge factor into shaping the perspective towards work. So, regardless of whether you work ten hours, both companies or whatever company, if and it, I, I notice that it's just kind of a bit easier to determine the why you're working so hard, um, and. Yeah, I guess that's uh, that's kind of like a a differentiator that I would I would identify. No, I like that you mentioned that. It actually didn't hit my mind until you pointed it out that you're right. Like for someone who works in the corporate world like me, my metric, the metric that I'm I'm conscious about would be just to hit my targets and then I get promoted. But it's totally different if you work for a startup, right? Because you are looking at a bigger picture, and I guess you get to really say and cre- and take credit for the company's growth as well because you were part of that decision making right it's not just you're not just another warm body in a large corporation you read your decisions really made some changes in the company um how is mentorship like for a startup yeah i mean i think it depends on how you define mentorship or what type of mentorship you're looking for right the difference in a startup is that 
even if you partner up with founders who have done it two, three, four, five times before, when you're working on a new problem, everyone is learning for the first time, right? Um, and everyone is learning along the way, right? So as much as uh, you have line managers or even if you're reporting to the founders, they're also learning, right? Um, so um, I guess relating a bit to, to your future question on, on, on qualities, like it really attracts people who are self-starters, people who can sort of learn on their own, want to take on their own initiatives when they see problems. Um, there's the culture and the structure at a small company that's growing really fast is that it's really empowering, meaning you can take on um, larger and larger roles and initiatives, but it all ties back to how much you're willing to, uh, you know, to, to, to take the leap to, to start initiatives on your own, right? So if you're a self-starter um, and you're one of those types of people, uh, startup is definitely for you. But in terms of mentorship, if mentorship would be defined in such a way that, you know, it's hand-holding, really teaching you exactly what to do, I definitely wouldn't say a startup is a place to be, yes, as Wes would know. Um, you know, like a lot of times you, you need to figure things out yourself, but hey, um, the mentorship that a startup does have is it allows you to, to learn, right? Um, and it allows you the freedom to really make your own decisions to some extent. Right? So yeah, maybe Wes has a different view. <laughs> yeah, uh, more or less aligned, I guess, just to kind of like give a fleshed out perspective to it from a from an employee standpoint. It's the mentorship that I get, it's not, as Louis said, would be someone just pointing the directions and this is what we're supposed to do and like this is how you're going to be measured. But it's mostly about engaging in conversations with the people around you and recognizing that both of you are kind of like in the same boat or one person is just one or two steps ahead. It's really about, okay, maybe you're two steps ahead, but maybe that's the wrong direction. So we could kind of like take two steps ahead and take two steps in this other direction. So the conversation, uh, that's how I would, the, the main word that I would describe mentorship at least in startups is really engaging in conversations, discussions, um, and sharing learnings with each other. Um, I, I would think that uh, a lot, I, I would also, I, I guess in startups also, one, one thing that I really appreciated with regard to mentorship is that most of the learnings from other startups also, regardless of the geography or like um, the industry they're part of, a lot of successful founders, a lot of successful employees have written books about it, write articles about it, do podcasts about it. These are also resources that you can look into. Uh, I I would recall in my previous job, I didn't, I couldn't find any sort of mentorship in that way. Like I, I would think that the best mentors are already within the company because they're the ones who've done it for such a long time and they're the ones who've been there in the top positions. But in a startup, since you know that the people you work with um, are also learning things, it's also like um, going to force you to kind of learn from learn more creatively, like what go on YouTube, ask, ask, network with other people from other startups and ask, ask questions. So I guess yeah, going back to my main point, mentorship and startup is really about engaging in conversations. No one's really better than the other. It's just someone's just way against uh, a, 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 a few steps ahead. Well, yeah, my, my dog is agreeing again. So, so yeah. Yeah, but just going in deeper, you know, in, in the skills and qualities. I know Luis mentioned earlier that you're, you're looking for people who are like self-starters. What other skill sets would you think someone should develop, whether it's soft, skill, soft skills or hard skills, um, before they can join a startup? Because I was just thinking from, from, 
for example, if I have any listeners who are still in college right now who are wondering, because when I was there, I wasn't sure as well what skills I needed to develop. So if, if you're thinking, if you wanted to do marketing and, and an FMCG, just really build like, I don't know, a marketing minor or any of the marketing classes. If I want to go into banking, I would have basic knowledge on finance, right? On all these subjects. But for a startup, what are the usual soft skills or hard skills that they need to develop before they could go into a startup? And what is what are the usual, you know, positions that are open for those? Um, even even how you build skills for the corporate role might actually be flawed. Even if you learn marketing in college, doesn't necessarily mean that you're super prepared to take on a marketing role in an FMCG. There's a lot, there's 90% or 95% of the things you'll have to learn to do the job well will be on the job. So I feel like in line with that, um, the soft skills standpoint, you really kind of have to, um, what's most important to learn is really learning how to learn. So how do you learn things faster? How do you kind of like prepare yourself to have some sort of baseline understanding on certain topics so that when you go on the job, you kind of accelerate your, 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 um, your the way you're, you're able to learn or how fast you're able to learn or get onboarded with the job. Um, but on the hard skills side of things, I'd say that um, there's a bit of a premium on how you would have some sort of specialized skills in certain in certain areas. So it's not it's not not to say that we would hire always like the, the top A or the top one of every every single kind, like the top sales, the number one salesperson in the country, although we would want to do that. Um it, it would really help if you have some sort of like specific skill sets, specific hard skills that would be valuable to these startups. And um, it could range from anything from the business side where you could do digital marketing or you could do sales, you could do um, you could really do well with relationship management. And on the tech side, where if you could code, you could do a developer and you could you could develop you could develop software programs. So um, first and foremost, I'd say the soft skill of learning how to learn would be really key in joining companies in general, even more so in startups. Like at the overall theme of what Luis and I have shared is that. A lot of these things you're really just learning on the job and even in the industry you're learning about the industry on the job so um on the hard skill side i guess finding those ways that you could embody those um roles so not necessarily meaning that if you're applying for a sales job uh, you're required to have like five years worth of sales experience right so you really kind of have to understand what is the essence of a sales job which is to, to be able to empathize with users, um, your customers, be able to communicate with them well, um, be able to offer articulate the value that they're looking for. And if you're able to do that in different ways, whether it's not in a sales job, like let's say you work for a nonprofit organization, or you did that in school when you were working with orgs, uh, I think that is um, some way that you could kind of prepare yourself for these roles. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. My next question would go to Luis, you know, I, we've discussed a lot about, you know, how is it like to work for a startup? What's the culture like? What's this scene here in the Philippines? If I am, I guess, a graduate, uh, a graduating student or someone who's worked for a while and I really want to go to go to that route where I start my own um, startup. Um, do you have any advice for those people who are looking to become founders themselves? Sure. Um, I think two things, right? Um, first is that if you are starting your first business, whether it be like a tech startup or even, you know, a side business, 
I think most, if not all entrepreneurs would are, uh, agree that you are very unlikely to get it right the first time. Like you will most likely fail in your first, second, third, first few attempts, right? And that's completely normal. I think I've seen a lot of people who, who like the idea of it and try it out and fail and, and sort of just stop there. I think that's the worst thing you could do because uh, I always compare like entrepreneurship to learning or excelling in a sport, for example. It's something that you learn and you practice over time and experience, right? Um, and if you look at, uh, when, if, when I reflect on my journey, um, you know, it took a good decade of toying around with a lot of stuff before, you know, I, I got it sort of right, right? Um, and I'm still always constantly learning. Um, so I think my number one advice would be to expect that things won't work out, especially if it's your very first time, right? Um, and, and not be discouraged by that fact. Um, the second is, I think uh, most people who want to start their own businesses, startups, companies, um, they always see it as such a huge risk because they think they need to drop everything um, to do that, right? Um, that, not, that isn't always necessarily the case, you know, and, and not a lot of people have the privilege of doing that. Um, so think about ways where you can de-risk it for yourself, right? You don't have to go all in um, right at the get-go. If you have a job, you can, you can start with a side gig. You can start getting involved with projects that involve entrepreneurship, get a sense of it, um, or, or sell things on the side, right? Until, you know, it reaches a certain point or a certain milestone where you could do it full-time, right? So you don't need to, to make the, you know, it's not, a zero or, or one decision where you need to go all in right out, um, find ways to de-risk it yourself so that you can explore it um, and you can, you know, um, you know, at least get a feel of, of how it's like. Yeah, I agree. And I know and I heard somewhere that really if you do have those ideas, it's really up to you to execute it. Ideas are just like a multiplier of it, of of in, in the bigger scheme of things. You really need to be executing what your ideas are for you to get to that point because as long as there are ideas they're really worth nothing yep i totally agree with that yeah so thank you so much for i guess all the the tips and you know giving us an insight of what it's like to work for a startup maybe we could give this time to to both of you to like you know talk more about 35 fund or pay mongo um in, in this podcast because i also want our listeners to you know look at both of these companies maybe it's something they could you know look into and venture into applying in the future should after they graduate or even right now if they're working and they're quite convinced now hey maybe the corporate job is not for me and it's time to switch let's go s okay all right so well at least for uh, i'll speak for at least a bit on both so pay mongo definitely we're looking for a lot of people to, to join our company. Uh, and the things we've discussed earlier, we've shared earlier. I hope that I, I, I hope that resonates with a lot of people. I've talked to a lot of my batchmates also from college that uh, have shared that uh, they actually relate a lot with the things that I've been going through. Um, most of my friends have gone through the corporate route. And I'd say that it's not too late. Doesn't mean that you're not you're not gonna ever find yourself be able to work for a startup. But also for those who are going to graduate soon or still finishing their, their studies, I hope you do consider, at least in the meantime, interning at startups. We would be happy to kind of um, find ways to accommodate you as well if we, we do have some internship openings coming soon. So that would might be an option that you could you guys could explore trial pay Mongo. Um, so 
more importantly also we we would be we would be very delighted to uh, accommodate a lot of uh, engineers as well i am not sure if a lot of developers software developers are listening or tuning into this podcast and i hope i am happy if you are so i am speaking to you and i'm hoping that you you find your place also in paymongo it's one of the tech companies that uh in the philippines that you might not just be able to make decisions on your own but learn also from the best engineers in the in the country from a 3d5 point standpoint um we from there we, we'd be happy to listen to your startup ideas if you're uh, if you're working on a full-time job and you're doing a project on the side and you, you want to get some sort of advice or ideas how to get it up and running like as mish mentioned if you're having trouble getting that idea into fruition feel free to reach out to bt5fund.com and uh, we'd be happy to chat with you maybe explore how your idea could be expanded further so Luis, do you have anything to add yeah no uh, second to what wes said um but i think all in all um would love you know like wes and i uh, have been there either from joining a startup or starting your own thing and we just love on our spare time to be a resource for anyone considering it right so as wes sa- said um if you're interested about it, if you think if you have questions about it, if you think you can contribute um, in in any startup that that uh, we're affiliated with or be Mongo or start your own, um, we'd love to be those folks that you can reach out to so that we can address any of your questions. Um, yeah, just visit 335fund.com and then you can reach us there. Okay, thank you so much for that. But since this is a misconception podcast, and I always, always ask my guests, um, what is a common misconception about you? Yeah, um, I, I guess the number one misconception about me is that people think I'm an extrovert. So just because I, I guess I, I have a personality that's a bit very open or like friendly to other people, I'm, I'm open to meet, making friends. Doesn't mean that I get tired from it. It's just some sort of like a skill that I got to learn growing up because I figured that being friendly would really be um, make my life better, make other people's lives better too around me. So it's not something that I'm naturally born to be like. It's just kind of like a, a habit or a character that I sort of developed throughout the years by kind of like practicing it and failing. <laughs> sort of like um, how Luis described being able to learn entrepreneurship. So yeah. <laughs> I was shocked because huh? I know that you were a president for a large Oregon college. I didn't know that you weren't an extrovert. Yeah, that's what people think. That's a misconception. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's, what's a misconception? Yeah, no, I think one misconception people often have about me uh, is my age. Um, so people think that, you know, because I had been working for a long time, I actually, uh, you know, dropped out of college uh, to start uh, uh, working early. I had my company... Uh, you know, uh, you know, before I graduated, so I never finished. People think that you know, I had been working for a long time, uh, but the reality is that you know I, I'm I'm so um, quite young. But the only thing is that I guess I just started pretty early um, in terms of what I'm doing, right? So like tying back to what I said a while ago, um, you know, when, when it comes to entrepreneurship or whatever you want to do, it really does take a lot of time and experience, and you know, it's just a lot of uh, failure leading up to to uh, sort of, you know, uh, getting to a point where things just work out. Okay, thank you so much for both of those misconceptions. Thank you so much again for being part of Misconceptions and for sharing all your insights and how it is like, you know, to work for a startup and to, I guess, 
push forward your dreams in starting your own startup. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much, Mish, for having us. That's it for today's episode of Misconceptions. If you enjoyed it, please share this online and with your friends. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, Misconceptions Podcast, and do follow us on Instagram at Misconceptions. See you in the next! The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.